We, uh, you know, the Lord's good all the time, and all the time He's good. Amen. We, uh, He does some things that we don't even see that He's doing, and I praise Him for that. I'm going to tell a little story this morning. I'm going to start, the, as you can tell, the title of the message is, Who's Writing Your Story? And so I'm going to tell just a little bit of a story to get us started this morning. And all stories start with once upon a time, right? So once upon a time, <clears throat> there was this little boy that was born. And <clears throat> he, was a, he was a blonde-headed, chubby-cheeked, cute little boy. And he was born into a, a normal family, kind of a sometimes crazy family, sometimes very mild and, and calm family. And he liked the things as he grew. He liked the things that most little boys did. He liked riding his bike, liked to go uh, play with his friends. He, he liked to watch TV. Um, his family did a lot of traveling whenever this little boy was young, and they went all over the different places. And a lot of times they did it by camping. They would take a tent, and they'd go, and, and they'd camp and, and do a lot of things and, and spend a lot of time just seeing the country of the United States, and, and uh, they enjoyed their time as family together. And one time they were camping, and they were out west, in, uh, like kind of in the, uh, oh, the uh, Yellowstone National Park areas and that kind of thing. And this little boy always, you know, because they have animals there that we don't have around here, so this little boy had always wanted to see a bear. So one night right before everybody went to bed, <clears throat> he went around the tent, and he took leftover popcorn that the family had eaten, and he put it all the way around the tent in hopes that he might get to, get to have an opportunity to see a bear. And gratefully for the family, that didn't happen because I think the parents had noticed what he had done, and they went around and picked up all the popcorn before the adults went to bed, and so, um, so the, the bear didn't show up. That was probably a good thing. But as this little boy grew and as he became a young teenager, he kind of... You know, as he was young, his his mom always took him to church every Sunday, and he loved going, and not so much in church, but he loved going to the Sunday school part of it. You know, I, I you know I remember when I was a kid, I used to love going to Sunday school, and so he he would he would enjoy going to Sunday school, and and there was this one special teacher that sometimes rather than giving the normal lesson, he would just stop and he would say. We're going to have a, <clears throat> a race to see who can find scriptures the fastest. And he would just say, John 3.16, and, and all the kids in the class would kind of rush to see who could find. And this little boy enjoyed those games. And, and then as he grew a little bit, he got into his uh, little bit later teens. And he decided, you know, a lot of his friends didn't go to church, so why should he have to go to church? And he started to make more of a big deal of that, and he decided not to go. <clears throat> it was, and, you know, the dad didn't usually go, so the mom didn't necessarily make the little boy go to church. And so as he began to get away from being around the things of the Lord, he began to make some of his own decisions, and a lot of them were not wise decisions. And as he grew into uh, a little bit more of a young manhood, <clears throat> he began to make even more of his own decisions. And he began to experiment with things like drinking and, and uh, use of marijuana and some of those kind of things. And he you know, kind of branched out. 
Well, it was about that time in this young man's life that things began to go off the rail. And because he was making these decisions himself and he wasn't following the guidance and leadership of, of the adults, it, uh, it kind of didn't go so good. Well, things went on and he began to realize that he was going to need to make a decision about how he was going to live his life. Was he going to live a life that, you know, that he was in charge of, or was he going to come back and give his life back to the Lord? And he made the decision to come back to the Lord and to give his life to him. And he began to follow in the Lord's ways a little bit more. He grew up, he got married, and did all, you know, all these wonderful... kind of sounds a little bit like the prodigal son story, doesn't it? You know, he went out and did his own thing, came back. The difference is this young man didn't take a big inheritance with him to spend. He just had to work and do the things that he had to do. Anyway, I said that, told that story for one main purpose, and that was just to let us know that we all have a story. We all... We all have a story, or or I should say our lives are a story. And we're building that story from the time we're born till unless the Lord returns beforehand until the time that we die. And we're writing the story of our lives. Like every story, it it has a beginning, a a body, a middle part, and then an an ending. Um, These stories that we live, boy, what a story they are, aren't they? I mean, they are filled with laughter, they're filled with drama, they're filled with tragedy, they're filled with comedy, suspense, mystery, romance, just like any good story ever written. And they have way more than a few plot twists. (laughs) There's uh, the story that we write of our life, there is always something, but we just didn't see it coming. We had no idea that was going to be part of our life story, but here it is. And now we have to incorporate that into the story of our lives. Like every story, there's a beginning, a a middle part, a body, and then there's an end. And should the Lord tarry, there will be an earthly ending to our stories. Although it is quite feasible that many in this room and those watching uh, through uh, through online, through the taping of the message, may not experience that earthly ending in the way that everyone else who has gone before. Because it's very likely that many people in this room are going to see the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be caught up with Him in the air. And what a glorious thing that will be. What an ending to a story, amen? That's, that's the way I want my story to end, is just to be there with the Lord. It's been said, and I've heard sermons preached, that Should we see earthly death, that that dash between the year we're born and the year that we died on our tombstone represents our story. That represents that dash, represents our life, and what did we do with it? What did we do with that time we were given? But the Lord has kind of led me to focus on a little bit different part of that. It's not so much the content of the story. It's not so much what you do with your life, but as you can see, who's writing your story? Who's writing the story? I feel like there's several different answers to that question, or there can be several different answers. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, 
verses 1 through 2. I'll give you just a minute if you're wanting to turn there, or it will be on the screen as well. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, say this. Therefore, we also... Now, that word, therefore, we're going to come back to that in a little while. So just hang on to that, because I've always said you can't just skip over a therefore when you're reading the Word of God. So we'll come back to that. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Funny how the Lord just brings things together. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we go into this message, Lord, that you would add your anointing to the reading of your word, to the preaching of your word, Father God, that it would be done in accordance with the way you have designed it and the way you desire this message to come out today, Father. I pray that you would take the words that leave my mouth, anoint them by your Holy Spirit before they get to the ears of the hearer, that they might hear what you have to say and not me, Father. And we give you praise in this house today, and it's in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus needs to be the one who's writing the story. But we some we have different ways we can choose. This scripture actually came up on Friday in our in our Bible study group as we were you know studying about uh, watching the chosen and then doing the study afterwards. And the the words they used were just slightly different. Instead of the author, they used the word founder. And instead of the finisher, they used the word perfecter. And Jessica actually brought up, said, you know, when it says the founder and the perfecter, that means when he's the perfecter, that means it's complete. It's done. It's all complete. It's like uh, when we hear Pastor Tim speak about the word tetelestai, when Jesus was on the cross, it's finished. It's perfect. It's complete. Nothing needs to be added. It was all done. And that's how if we give ourselves and let Jesus be the author of our faith, he'll also be the perfecter of it. And he'll bring it to perfection. But there are several options that we can choose when when we're going to let our story be written. Probably the most popular choice is self. That's who usually writes the story, me. It's my story. I'm going to write it. I'm going to do the things I want to do. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, and, and that's, that's just the way it's going to be. I'm in control. I'll make my own decisions. Nobody is going to tell me how to live. We Christians even act that way. We won't come out and say it, but we live it, that I'm going to do it my way. You know, I might throw Jesus a little prayer every now and then that says, well, as I go along and do this, would you bless it? But sometimes we don't take the time and say, Lord, how do you want it to look? How do you want this story written? How do you want me to live my life? How can I honor you? And we try to get, we take control of it ourselves. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. I have everything all planned out. (laughs) That's that's cute. (laughs) You have it all planned out. Anybody in this room ever had it work out just how you had it all planned out? If you, are, if you have, I want to meet with you after service because I, I need to know how that worked. We can have our plans and we, it just doesn't go according to plan. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says these words, A man's heart plans his way, 
but the Lord directs his steps. We have our plans, but it's the Lord who directs our steps. Our plans don't always come to fruition just the way we intended for them to go. Now, please don't think that I'm saying that we shouldn't make plans. Don't think I'm just saying that we just need to sit back and just be along for the ride and, and just not pay any attention to, to what we're doing. Don't plan for the future. Don't make any, you know, any uh, decisions. That's not what I'm saying. It, I'm just saying, plan your thing, plan your life, write your story, but ask the Lord how he wants it to look. Ask the Lord, where can I move that, that will bless you the most and glorify you the most and bless me? Ask the Lord, give me the direction. Help me as we write this story together. I'm not saying we should just sit back and take whatever life throws at us. That's what prayer is for. We're supposed to be actively involved in this planning, in this moving, in this working. And we pray, and Lord, show us your will. Give us your guidance. Father, this is what I believe that I'm hearing. Will you let me know if I'm hearing it right? If I am, will you bless it, Lord? Will you give me your direction? Will you provide the provision? Will you make this come to pass? Because I want to be in your will. Make the plans. In fact, there's an old saying that says this, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. We need to be making plans and seeking the Lord to do his will. So I'm not saying just sit back and take whatever life throws at you. What I'm saying is refer back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Acknowledge the Lord as you begin to write that story. The second group, or the, the second place that I see where we can you know, someone we can use to write our life story is sometimes we let other people write our story. Ooh, everybody just got offended, didn't they? No, I don't. Nobody's going to tell me. I, I'd never let anybody do that. I would never let somebody else write the story of my life for me. Anybody ever bought anything or driven anything or worn anything because of how somebody else might think? Of what somebody else might think of what we do? Some of us don't. But there's a whole world of advertisers out there that really hope they can help write your story. There's billions and billions of dollars spent to help you write your story. There are television stations that are just specifically designed and created to help you write your story. Has anybody ever watched anything on social media? I've done it. I've watched my friends go on these great vacations on social media, and I've looked at that and go, man, I want to do that too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up, and we're going to get some tickets and go on a cruise because that looks so awesome, and, and I'm letting somebody else help write my story. It's not because... You know, it's not that it's bad to do any of those things. I actually, we went on a cruise and I loved it and I want to do it again because I want to, not because I feel like somebody's influencing to me. I enjoyed it. But there's so many times that we'll let what we see on social media, what do they call it? Influence us. 
Why do you think they call, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole nother class of occupation now that I never knew exist. It's called influencer. And they make millions. And their whole job is to help you write your story or to write your story for you. I never dreamed in my entire life that there would be children that spend time with a phone or a tablet or a screen watching other children play with toys. That's what they do now. <laughs> That's what the kids like. They watch other, there's this little kid who several years, his name's Ryan. And several years ago, he became the highest earning person on YouTube. And his whole shtick was playing with toys and videotaping it for kids to watch. He was worth $9 million. And he was 10, 8, 8 years old. And he was worth $9 million because of kids watching him play with toys. And now he has his whole own toy line in the stores and stuff because he was an influencer, because he helped to make those other kids think, I need that. I need that toy. People can have an effect on our story. The good news is people can also have a positive effect on our story. We as believers, we as Christians, we should be having a positive effect on other people's stories. We should be helping them, showing them what, how good Jesus is. But we should only be affecting their stories as we lead them toward Christ, not as we influence them to do what we think they should do or what we want them to do. Paul said it best, follow me as I follow Christ. We need to be influencers in that way, helping people to write their story. If we see people who Jesus isn't part of their story, we've got to help somehow to introduce him into the story. That's our job. That's why we're still here. If it wasn't for that, we'd get saved and poof, we'd be gone. But we're here to have an effect, to be an influencer in the story of a people's lives in the way of Jesus. As parents, a huge part of our job is to help our children begin their story well. That story that I told of that little boy whose mom took him to school, that was the job that she was supposed to do, was to introduce him to Jesus and help, help him start that story. If she hadn't helped him start that story, he probably never would have come back to Jesus because he wouldn't have known who he was to begin with. That's our job as parents. We have to help our children start the story well. Proverbs 22, chapter 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. We're, help, we're called to help them write the story. So there's, there's good things and there's bad things in other people influencing the story. And then, of course, we can do the one wise, wise thing. And we can let the Lord write our story. We can let him write our story. That's the most important. He's, the, he's the, the author of our faith. Let him be the finisher too. Help him. Our, that author, what's that mean that he's the author of our faith? Well, it says that we can't even come to him unless we believe that he is. That's how salvation begins. We believe that Jesus is who he said, is it, that he, said he is. 
and that he was born of a virgin, and he lived on earth, and he died, and he rose again. And we believe on him, and he becomes the author of our faith. I have faith now that I know who he is. Let him be the finisher. Let him be the one who writes the story. We've got to let him be. He's the only one who can see the end from the beginning. Don't you want an author? Don't you want somebody writing the story who already kind of knows where it's going to end? Who knows the, the, the slips and the tricks and the hazards that we might be coming into so that he can steer us around those or take us through them if that's what we need? But he won't leave us or forsake us. and He'll go through those parts of the story with us. Jesus is the one worthy author of our story. He's the only one with pure motives. See, everybody else, when I write my story, it's because I want it my way. When I write my story, it's because I think I've got it all figured out. I know, I know everything that's going to happen. I know how it's going to be. I know if I do this, then this is going to happen. And us guys are really good about that. I, you know, I see how this is all going to work out. So when I'm writing the story, it's all about me. When somebody else writes the story, it's about them. They want you to be like they think you should be. They, but Jesus has pure motives. He wants only the best for you. He wants to receive the glory from your life, but he wants good for you as well. Jesus is the author that we can trust. He can also be the most challenging cho choice as an author because it means a couple of things. It means we have to know him more than just casually. If we're going to trust him to write our story, we've got to get to know him intimately. We've got to get to know him in a way that we can trust him. We have to get to know him in a way that we see that his motives are pure and good, and he will write the story for our good. We've got to know him. It only happens by spending time with him. And that's a challenge. That takes time. That takes effort. It takes work to spend time with the Lord. It's challenging to let him write the story. We also have to have more than just a casual knowledge of his word. You see, he's already laid out a lot of the story in Scripture. We've got to know it. We've got to know what he expects of us, what he wants us to do, what he says that if we do this, we shall be blessed, and if we do this, we will be cursed. We've got to know the difference in those things and be able to follow in his leadership and in his guidance. That's the only way we can learn to let him write the story. Then there's this other thing that we tend to have a little bit of trouble with. We've got to yield control. If he's going to write the story, we have to be willing to give him the pen. We're not, he's not going to take it from us. If we're going to let him write the story, we have to yield ourselves to him. That can be tough. That can be hard to let go of control in the way th that I want things. We have to learn to hear his voice. We have to give him control, and then he can write the story. You can trust me, though, when I say that if we allow him to write the story, the ending will be better than what we can come up with. So you're saying if we let Jesus write our story, we'll just sail through life with no difficulties. Is that what 
you know, is that what you're getting? You know, if we just let Jesus write the story, just smooth sailing, no problems. It's just, you know, everything's great. Remember that uh, therefore that we talked to earlier? Now we're going to go back and see what it was there for. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 40. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, and also of David and Samuel and, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Sounds great, doesn't it? Let's keep reading. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What was he saying there at that last part? They didn't make it to heaven? No, that's not what he was saying. That, that they were in a place that was prepared. They waited for a time, and they'll, we will all be together with them. In glory. But did you catch that last part after all that wonderful stuff? Sometimes the story has some real garbage in it. Sometimes the story feels like a moment in hell. I didn't say that all of our story would be enjoyable, but Jesus said that he can redeem even the negative things in our life. Jesus said that if we would trust in him, he will see us through those things to the other side. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The story sometimes gets tough, but Jesus is always good. We all have chapters in our story that we would love to tear out. I don't want that chapter. I don't, I don't want to live that chapter. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go through that chapter. We all have it. I've told you guys so many times from this platform that if there was a chapter in my life that I could take out, it's that time that I struggled with anxiety and depression because it just literally wanted my, I wanted my life to end because it was that devastating. I want that chapter torn out. But Jesus said, I can redeem even that chapter. They make up an important part of our story. God is able to use the chapters in our life that we wish didn't exist, 
that we wish that they were not part of our story. He's able to use those chapters to grow us and to minister for others, to minister to others. See, when we come to Jesus and we give our lives to him, it belongs to him. It's his life now. And he can use the things that we wish never existed. As, as much as I want that chapter torn out from, from my life and never have experienced it, I can't tell you the number of people that the Lord has allowed me to minister to because I endured that chapter. Because there's a lot of people that are living life in a way that they just want it over. They just want it to end. And I've been able to speak into their lives and say, I know what you're talking about. Jesus has a reason for the chapters in our life. We don't have to like them, but he can use them. He can redeem them. One of my favorite scriptures says, he will redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. That time that the enemy stole from us, Jesus can redeem those things, and he can make them for his glory and for our good as badly as we don't want to deal with them. You remember that story I began the message with? I'm sure many of you already knew that that was my story. That's the way my life started. It was it was simple, good life, and, and I decided to make some stupid choices and, and kind of turn my back on God. But he didn't leave me there. See, the first part of my story, the story, again, it has a start, it has a body, and it has an ending. Now, you know what's cool about our story? It doesn't really ever end. We might taste death if the Lord doesn't return quicker, but it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And our story just continues to go. What a blessing that is for those of us who have lost those that we know who were in the Lord, that we know the story just took a little pause. It picked right up on the other side. And God is still good, and Jesus still loves us. See, my, that first part of my story, that was pretty much written by my parents. I didn't have a lot of choice over that part of the story. That's the way it's supposed to be. See, kids aren't mature enough to think about writing their own story. The next part of, the, of the, my story was the part that I wrote myself, and that's where it began to go off the rails. Because I had the pen. I was in charge. I'm going to write my story. I'm going to make it look like what I want it to look like. And then the last part, and up till now, I wish I could say it was all written by Jesus. But it's been kind of a collaboration. <laughs> I'll give him the pen for a while, and then I'll take it back and say, I, I, know, I know how to do this part. I'll, I'll, I'll holler at you again when I need you. And we'll, we'll write a little bit of the story ourselves, write another chapter ourselves, and realize, oh, man. That's kind of messed up too. Lord, you want to take the pen back? Make, make the story the way you want it because it seemed like you, you maybe had a better idea than I did. That's how a lot of our, our story goes sometimes. I wish I could always say, I've always let the Lord guide and direct my steps, but that would be a lie. I believe though I can honestly say that I've gotten better at giving him control, but I've still got a long way to go. Now, I just have a couple of final thoughts as we wrap up this morning. And in preacher talk, that means probably about 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> Kidding. 
Just a couple of thoughts. Number one, be careful who you give the pen to. Even if it's you, be careful. Because we all make some bad decisions. Don't let somebody else try to write your story. Be careful who you write that pen to. Because see, when I'm writing the, pen, writing the story, I want what's easy. I want what's gratifying. I want what's fun. I want what makes me smile and, and happy every minute of the day. That's what I want when I'm writing the story, even if that's not what's best for me. Only Jesus has pure motives as he writes the story. He always wants what's best for me, even when it's uncomfortable. See, I would never write a part of my story that was uncomfortable. How about you? I'm never pinning anything in there that says, oh, I'm going to go through this fire and, and you know, it's just going to be great. I'm going to come out you know, on the other side so much more refined and better. I'd never put that in my own story. But Jesus knows the areas where I need the fire. He knows the times when I need the peace. And he writes that into the story because he knows. And his motives are pure and perfect. He wants my story to bless me, and it wants my story to glorify him. Be careful who you give the pen to. And finally, in, in keeping with this Christmas season, I was doing a little bit of reading. I do something weird that a lot of people probably don't do. I read other preachers' sermons online and stuff and not listen to them. I just I read, you know, the text of them and, and it's kind of neat. I'll every now and then I'll pick up a an idea for a message myself from doing that or something. But I was reading one in the past couple of weeks from another uh another preacher and it came across this passage of scripture that he used as part of the Christmas story. And so in keeping with the Christmas season, I, I was reading that and and it was in Galatians. I'm going to read it to you because I, I really there was a phrase that jumped out at me when I read this. That was really cool. It's in Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 7. And it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a cool passage? I, I'd never thought of that passage of Scripture in, in the Christmas story before, but, but it really is. I mean, it tells, it tells the whole thing right there. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption. And because we're sons now, God gives us his spirit. Isn't that cool? I mean, I just, I never really caught that from that scripture. But the, the one phrase that stood out for me was this In the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, we serve a God who knew not only how to redeem mankind, but when. In the fullness of time, when everything was right. And when everything was ready, he sent Jesus. What does that have to do with the message that I'm talking about right now? My statement today is that the, the God who wrote the greatest story ever told and knew not only how, but when, 
can be trusted to write our story. We can trust him. If he knew how and when to redeem mankind. You know, the, the, some of the scholars that I uh, read whenever I was taking my Bible courses said that, well, they believe that probably the reason that, that Jesus came exactly when he did is because the Romans had built uh, the road system, and so the, the message of Jesus would travel easier, and Greek was a language that had been, uh, you know, kind of spread across the world almost, where so it would be, you know, the message written in Greek could travel well. Why did it happen when it happened? Because God knew when the fullness of time was. He knew the day and the hour and the moment that Jesus should come and redeem mankind. That kind of a God who knows in the millions of years that may have and may exist, He knew the moment to send Jesus. He knew the place. It was the fullness of of time, and everything was ready and everything was right. I can trust that God to write my story. Even the parts that I am challenged with, and even in the parts that I don't think he ever should have allowed to be written, I can trust him. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise in this house today, and we give you thanks. Lord, you are worthy of our praise, and we give it to you freely, Lord. God, we ask that you would help us to relinquish the pen, that we would give it to you, and we would allow you to write our story, Father. Lord, we give you praise in this house today. I pray that if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that before they leave this house, they would cry out to you. They would come to see one of the pastors, an elder, somebody that they know and trust, that they know Jesus and would give their lives to you and that you would receive the honor and the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to say one quick little other thing. My brother James over here, he did something that was really profound after the first service. James, I don't know if you know how that spoke to me, brother, but as he was walking out of this room, he had a pen in his hand and he walked up to the altar and he threw it on the altar and signified, Lord, you write the story. That touched me and that blessed me. I'm not suggesting that you do that specific thing, but if the Lord has spoken to you about relinquishing control, I pray in some way you do that this morning, that you give him the pen, figuratively, however it be, and let him know that you're yielding to him today and that he has your agreement to allow him to write the story.